Hello, and welcome to Finding Frederick, a weekly podcast that explores the history, people, and stories of Frederick, Maryland. I'm your host, Lisa Littlefield, and thanks for joining me in some conversations with friends and history buffs like you and me. Today I'm on the historic campus of Hood College, established in 1893. I'm visiting Mary Atwell, archivist and collections development librarian for the campus, who's going to share some history of the college and the surrounding community. Thank you for being with us today, Mary. Well, thank you, Lisa. I'm excited about this. <laughs> great, great. Can you tell us a little bit about your role at Hood College? Um, sure. My job is, is basically 50-50. Um, I'm archivist half-time and collections development librarian the other half. On the archivist side, I help with um, any research that uh, people have about Hood. Um, and this is, I get researchers within the college and outside of the college, public patrons, alumni, and then inside the college, uh, I help students with um, papers, research mm-hmm. papers that they're doing about Hood. Uh, I also uh, work on processing the collections, which means accessing them and recording what we have and putting it in a database so that it can become searchable. Other than that, I also take in donations. We get a lot of donations from alums that come through institutional advancement, things from yearbooks to um, we're getting an old gym costume from um, an alum from the 1950s. On the other side, my collections development side, I help purchase items for faculty that involves, you know, research, um, tracking them down. I help with the databases. Most of our money is tied up in scholarly databases, so we have to um, manage those contracts. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> well, good, good. Can you tell me just really, you know, how did you get attracted to this kind of work? How did you find yourself in this career field? It's kind of a long story, and it took a long time till I got here. I was a history major in undergrad. I loved history. From the time that we were very young, my dad was a huge history buff, so we went to old houses, museums. It, that was just our, our weekend activity. So I grew up loving history. I went to Ithaca College. I was an undergrad there. They did not have, at the time, and I think this was pretty typical, they did not have any sort of um, track for you to explore jobs in history. At that time, it was just, you're studying history, you're going to be an historian. Um, no, no public history program, nothing like that. Getting out of school, I wanted a job immediately, and I took an accounting job in with Marriott International and stayed there for 12 years. <laughs> uh, totally not my personality, but I did kind of got into it. But then I, I was um, pregnant with my first child and went on bed rest and decided that was enough and stayed home for a long time. Then I um, started working part-time at Cibar Arts downtown in the uh, Maryland room doing volunteering in there, working with processing collections. And I was like, I got to go back to school. <laughs> so I went back to school and earned my library degree uh, with at Drexel with archives as my concentration. It took a long time, but I finally got here. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about the collections that we have at Hood College? Sure. Um, we've got uh, administrative records, and those are very hit or miss. We have some presidential records from each president. Kind of decreases as the years go on, especially the last, you know, the last two decades with electronic records. We have faculty meeting minutes going back to, I think, 1914. You would think they'd be exciting, but they're 
not terribly exciting. I think that's because all the juicy stuff was not put in the minutes. Um, we have records from different departments, um, alumni affairs, publications. You know, we have the, the Hood Magazine, uh, Blue and Gray, uh, the bulletins going back to, to their beginnings. Uh, we have a large photograph collection, a lot of material that came over from marketing over the years. And we have a film collection. Um, president Apple, the first president, was very into filming. And so we have like old... Uh, footage in the 1930s of the students going to campus day and performing, um, you know, walking around campus. It's, it's pretty neat. I, w I wish most of it is um, silent, but we do have some pr um, promotional films that are not, and it's, it's just neat to see. We also have some very unrelated things to Hood. We have uh, a collection of architectural drawings from a local architect in Frederick. So we have he did some of the architectural work on hood buildings, but he also did many, many of the houses around here and the businesses downtown. And he even did um, some drawings for elementary schools. They had, interestingly, he had um, schools for white students and then schools for black students, which is, I'd love to kind of dive into those records a little bit more and learn more about them. Um, we have materials from faculty, like the Helen Smith collection. She was a um, professor of art here, and then she quit and opened up her own shop. She was never married. Um, this was back in the 20s, so she was really kind of a, a pioneer woman entrepreneur um, who was very, very successful and became well-known in the area and in the state for her artwork. We have her drawings, we have decorative plates, we even have a, a lampshade that she painted. <laughs> We've got some, some interesting items. In the beginning, it was very, a very musical college. So students were singing all the time. They used to sing on the steps, they'd sing. You know, they go every year to a um, picnic um, up at Braddock Heights. They'd sing in the, from the top of the mountain. It just, and um, there's a song that, that she did the artwork for that's framed over there called the Pal Song. There's another piece of hers of uh, Alumni Hall. And that's fascinating. I mean, tell us a little bit about uh, Hood College. Today, people drive past it on Rosemont Avenue and see the, the big red brick buildings and white columns that the school is really known for. But it wasn't always here, was it? No, it wasn't. It was first located down in Winchester Hall, which is where the county seat is now. It was created when the Potomac Synod of the Reformed Church up in Pennsylvania decided that they wanted to move the girls' school from um, Mercersburg Academy. They were looking, you know, around the areas, and the Frederick Female Seminary was actually, it was going bankrupt. It was in really bad straits. During the um, Civil War, it was used as a hospital for a while after the Antietam battle, and it never really kind of flourished after that. So the Synod actually purchased the building, um, the equipment, the furniture, and even some of the um, teachers there became um, professors here and at the Women's College of Frederick, is what it was called, in 1893. And they were there... Um, and then as a, the college grew, they would rent other buildings downtown. And then Margaret Hood gave us the ability to purchase the land here on uh, Rosemont, which was called 4th Street at the time. So maybe you can tell me just a little bit about the oldest building on campus, which is Broadbeck Hall. And it actually um, was the only building 
on the land at the time that the college purchased it. It was built in 1868 by um, the German community here in Frederick. It was built to model the social halls that they were used to in their home country. Part of the name, it's spelled differently as you, as you get into doing the research. It's Schutzenpark, and I'm probably not pronouncing it correctly. But if you look at these old social halls, they had shooting associated with them. And also family games and stuff outside. Uh, of course, the social part inside with the beer. <laughs> that's, what you, uh, that's what I think of when I think of it. But um, they had it for several years and then for some reason gave it up. I'm not sure if... I think the reason why was because it, they didn't live right in Frederick, so it, it it was hard for people to come every weekend to enjoy enjoy it from you know where they where they lived. Yes, um, this was more like a country yes. uh, space, wasn't yeah. it? So all the buildings and homes that we see now with Baker Park and mm-hmm. downtown were not here. Yeah, in fact, we've got some aerial photos um, uh, from the 1930s, and it's amazing how empty the landscape is it's just it's fascinating I I love looking at those old photos but anyway the um, building was sold and it kind of went through a number of different things I think at one point it was home to a florist then um, Margaret Hood somehow got involved ended up with the property (laughs) then uh, it sat here until President Apple was ready to start construction on the new buildings. And Alumni and Shriner were um, built pretty much simultaneously. Um, Alumni Hall was finished first. During that time, the students would use Broadback Hall. They called it College Hall. One of the things they used it for was um, Halloween parties. And so its its um, reputation of being haunted may have actually started back then, I'm not sure, because even now people say that it's haunted. And back in the, maybe the 1990s, there were students who spent the night there specifically to catch the ghost, and they swore that they heard feet stomping and glasses breaking of the you know, German settlers drinking beer and carousing. <laughs> That's cool. Now, the columns on alumni have a story behind them, too, mm-hmm. don't they? They do. They were um, donated by the classes of 1915 to 1918, and they were named. The columns are Hope, Opportunity, Obligation, and Democracy. It's. I think it's important to kind of put it in context that that was during World War One. So these concepts were very alive and something, you know, that the students were very um, concerned about. I just love going up there and, and seeing the columns and seeing, you can see the, um, the name tags on the back of them. So Mary, tell us some of the things about Hood's history that people may not commonly know. One of the most fascinating or, or interesting things to me is that the college for many years served um, in loco parentis, which means in place of the parents. Um, and what that meant was that the college expected and able to track all of the students' movements, what they did during the day, what they did on their off time, um, whether or not they were allowed to go downtown, you know, what time their bedtime was, pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when the school was a, a women's college, Yes, right? when, mm-hmm. it, when it was a women's college. And that, um, that was the case from the very beginning, 1893, up until the early 1970s when the uh, student body really started to push back. You know, it was also a time of um, social upheaval and people wanting more freedoms in general. 
and it definitely was the case for the students. But if you go back, we have um, minutes from the uh, SGA back in the 30s, and it's just it's so much fun to read when you can read it. Some of, some of it's a little difficult, but it would talk about infractions of students when they were they came in too late or they went to a place downtown that we were not allowed to go, things like that. And they were, they were issued demerits for that. And then they were <laughs> kept from certain activities like they were campus, which meant they were not allowed to go out of campus for, at all until that time period when was uh, done. But in the um, student handbook, you can see a lot of this information, a lot of the rules that they were they had to follow. Like they were not allowed to go into an automobile with a male without another chaperone. <laughs> um, they were not allowed to go to certain places downtown. There, were, there was a list at one time of the places that they were allowed to go, like the Tivoli Theater. There were certain drugstores they were allowed to shop in. And they even had a list of um, unsuitable men who <laughs> had 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 dealings or had a reputation for um, not being above board or whatever. They were not allowed to, you know, be seen in the company of those men. Uh, there were smoking rules. Smoking was a huge thing throughout the years. In fact, that's kind of where I really see the students starting to push back. They wanted more and more smoking rules to be broken or relaxed so that they they could smoke it's kind of a weird thing because you know it's not good for you it's not something that they and now we were non-smoking campus but um you know they would slowly push for what they called smokers which was uh that were dedicated rooms on campus or places on campus where they were allowed to smoke so you kind of see over the decades that that you know as they push for more smokers that other things started to relax as well uh, and then eventually the school became co-ed. Yes, it did. Um, ironically, in the early 70s, um, in 1971, um, they started to admit day students, male day students. They were not allowed to live on campus, but they were allowed to, to attend classes. That was in part for, they saw the need in the Frederick area, and also it was, it was um, to, to increase the... Uh, enrollment. And then in 2000 is when they started to introduce the idea of going completely co-ed. And then 2001 is when they actually decided to to go co-ed. So now for the past 20 years, we've mm-hmm. had a co-ed campus. So I, yeah. I'm sure there are many people who never knew the school when it was an all-women's facility. Right, right. Okay, good, good. If you had to pick one thing out of the archives that you think is unusual or maybe precious to the school or in some other way valuable, what, you know, can you think of one thing Mm. that kind of stands out in your mind? Wow. (laughs) Something you could take home and display in your own home? Um, Not that you would. Not that I would. (laughs) Um, I do love the, the artwork and the Helen Smith but I also think that those minutes from the student government during the 1930s, they give life to the students and, and what the campus was like at that time. So, you know, we've got, you know, catalogs, bulletins, yearbooks and everything. But those are published items. But this is like, I don't know, more the more meat and potatoes, more gritty. You know, it just gives more of a feel of, of what it was like to be a student at Hood. Do we have, we had any well-known people that have gone 
to school at Hood. I know they built a statue just recently downtown. Yes, for Claire McCardle. She was here for two years, then decided that she had to follow her passion, and then she went to Parsons School of Design in New York City. But she's just... We should all be thankful for her because we have clothes that have pockets, and that's the big thing that that one of the big things that she is very um, well known for is creating casual clothes for women that feel comfortable and they had utility. They had the pockets so you could put things in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so people can go downtown and pay homage to one of Hood's own, uh, Claire McArdle. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's great. Is there anything else you'd want somebody, you know, if somebody had a few minutes to talk to somebody who was outside the area and they asked, you know, what is Hood College or what is is fascinating about the history? Anything else you'd want to add to the conversation? Hmm. I would say that it was a really neat, small, liberal arts college for women. One of the things I love is that we have the observatory, uh, Williams Observatory, which was um, built in the early 20s. And we were one of the um, first women's colleges to have such wonderful equipment that's in there. And it was, I guess it kind of points to it was liberal arts, but they had a pretty rigorous um, curriculum. They, sciences were very big here. Well, you know, a lot of people are a bit intimidated about coming on a college campus uh, to use the resources that they are here for the community. Mm-hmm. How can people use the library and potentially the archives, too, if they're interested in history or if they're interested in Hood College? Um, the public is... Um, welcome in the building and to use uh, library materials inside the building. We don't have any lending rights for the for the public, but they could actually go to, if they have a, a library card with FCL, they could get something through in our library loan if they wanted. The spaces are welcome to come in here and study. If they are interested in history and they'd like to explore what we have in the archive, they just need to make an appointment with me, let me know what they are interested in, and then I'll pull materials for them I'll work with them. Very nice, yes. Mary, thank you for being with us today on Finding Frederick. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you and learn more about the college. Oh, thank you. I hope that uh, there are some nuggets that I threw out there that people find interesting. Absolutely. It's been fun. Thank you. Thanks for coming along with me to Finding Frederick, a show dedicated to our fair city's history and fantastic people. I'm Lisa Littlefield. See you next week.